Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. The name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God, amen. Glory be to the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now and ever, into the ages of all ages. Amen. So we'll be celebrating the Coptic New Year in a couple of weeks. And because of that, the church reads these readings to us over the next few Sundays. Today and next Sunday. And we're, we're reminded of the end of time. Because as the year ends... Suddenly, before you know it, the year has ended. So does the year suddenly, so does the time end. So does life on earth end, in a sense, right? But when speaking of the end of the world, too often we get caught up with fear of the end of the world, uh, neglecting the fact that the end of the world does not mean the end of our life, because our life is hidden in Christ. We have been created in the image of God, and therefore we are created to live forever. So, as we pray in the litany of the departed, we say, this is not a death for your servants, but a departure. A departure means we're going somewhere else. So the departure is what gives us the, either the hope or the fear. Where am I departing? If I know where I'm going, where I'm a citizen of, then I don't have to fear. Now, the, this gospel reading that's read today and will be read next week from St. Matthew's version has history of what happened and things to come. So the church doesn't read it for us simply so that we can remember what happened in the past. The church reads this to us to equip us, right? Uh, we're not meant to just focus on nor the end nor what happened, but how to be ready at all times. That's why the last word the Lord says in today's gospel is what I say to you, I say to all, watch. He calls us to watch. To watch means to be vigilant. St. Peter says to be sober, to be aware of what it is to come. So the passage that we read today is to enable us, to protect us, and to, uh, to guide us. To instruct us. So it's not so much about when will these things be, but how shall we live faithfully when they do happen. You see the difference? It's not so much when. We don't know when. The Lord didn't say, I'm going to tell you when. We're not called to live uh, constantly predicting things that are about to happen. That's not the call of the Christian world, the Christian life, the faithful Christian. The call of the Christian is not to know when, but to be faithful whenever. To live faithfully at all times. And of course the Lord is caring for his church. And faithful to his church as he promised. Even Thomas Merton once says, God is mercy in mercy in mercy. Which in other words, God is complete mercy. He delights in mercy. It's, one of, it's who he is. He's love, he's mercy, he's faithfulness, he's truth, he's the way. So we are kept in this grace. The Lord Jesus when praying for us. Right before his arrest on the eve of Good Friday, prayed a beautiful prayer on John 17. And in John 17, it was never about that we be taken out of this world. John 17 was about not that you be taken out, but kept. 
kept by his power. And we are kept. And this keeping power is for all Christians at all times. Now what happened exactly? I mean, the Lord in, in speaking here, he tells the disciples, first of all, let no one be careful. Take heed that no one deceives you. And he said, there'll be rumors of wars and all kinds of things happening in the world. We see them happening, right? You yourself, I'm sure, watch the news and hear about stuff going on in the world. Climate issues, war issues, uh, plague issues, health issues, all kinds of things that have been said that would happen. The Lord puts this on purpose to always have us prepared and ready. You're not, as a Christian, called to be shocked and surprised with these events. As a Christian, you're called to know and live faithfully through these events. So, there's a very interesting part where the Lord says, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let the reader understand. What is that? What is this abomination of desolation? The Lord says to understand. You and I are the reader today. We're called to understand, what is this all about? Now again, even if we don't fully understand or fully grasp, we can have an indication of what this is all about. The abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not. So there are different scholars, different views of what that was, what that will be. Some may say, well, there's this ruler named Titus who put his statue inside the temple. Others say it's Antiochus Epiphanes during the time of the Maccabees who actually put a, slaughtered a pig, slaughtered swine. We know that for a Jew that is completely out of the question. So not only did he slaughter this pig inside the temple, he actually slaughtered it on the altar so that they cannot touch the altar. So to basically it's an abomination and it's a desolation. It's complete destruction. So this, these things happened. Now there's more to come because Daniel speaks of what is to come. That the time of the Antichrist will be a covenant made for a period of time. And after this there will be three and a half years of the worst time in history. But even in that time the church will be kept. Because when the Lord says something it remains. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. So when he says to St. Peter... You are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. That's not just when he said that to St. Peter, because St. Peter is going to have strong faith, and on this faith he'll build the church, and glory be to God. This means that this is always kept. The church is what the Lord Jesus died for. and Therefore, the church is kept in and by that blood, in that name and that power. So... There is more to come. When the, when the church and the gospel reads this, it means that this, what we read about, is horrible. Not on, for example, the destruction of the temple at Jerusalem, 40 years after our Lord's ascension, during the, in the 70 AD, complete destruction of the temple. That's another abomination of desolation. But again, there's more to come. This means there's worse to come, possibly. But the worse to come is not to cause me to be afraid the Christian is not to, called to live, to, be, to live in fear. The Christian is called to live in faith. Same possible concept. I can either live in fear or live in faith. Fear is living without anyone to trust or believe in. Faith, you know who you believe in. So St. Paul says, I know in whom I have believed. 
And I trust that he'll, he's able to keep what I've committed to him until that day, whatever that day may be. So choose for yourself. It says in Habakkuk, the, old, the prophecy of the Old Testament says, The righteous shall live not by fear. The righteous shall live by faith. So when St. Paul says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, it's because there are many who have preceded us and have been able, by their faith, to continue without fear. He said, let them kill our bodies. What else can they do? Even the Lord Jesus says that. He says, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing that they can do. Fear him who is able not only to cast the body, but even the soul in hell. Fear him. But you as a child of Christ, you have nothing to fear because you're not created to be cast into hell. He died for you so that you are never cast there. So well, how come some people are? Again, this is an automatic response. When a person basically decides willfully of their own volition to completely sever themselves from the source of life. I mean, what does it say in Genesis chapter 2? It says, God made man in his image and he breathed in him the breath of life. And what happened when he breathed in him the breath of life? Man became a living being. How did he become a living being? He became a living being because life was breathed into him. Where did life come from? From he who is the way, the truth, and the life. So when a person says, I don't want to be connected to life, capital L, then the automatic reaction will be gradual destruction and corruption and death. This is the normal response. If I stop breathing, I die. My breath is Jesus. And that's why this concept fear scares some, but for those who really realize how loved they are by he who died for them on Good Friday, you really have nothing to fear. It's walk in faith, not in fear. This is what we're called to. So this abomination of desolation, these things that happen in the world, they don't happen suddenly, right? They come upon us suddenly, but they have been happening gradually over time. And if we are not faithful and wise in Christ, when we don't seek to understand, when the Lord says to us, read and understand, He's telling us to do so. That means He's given us the capacity as His children, created in His image and His likeness to understand. This is not meant to be an enigma. It's not meant to be a mystery. The mystery, if there's one thing that is a mystery in all of this, is how loved we are. This is the mystery. That God, who is and was and who is to come, the Alpha and the Omega, would love us in such a way that we have nothing to fear and that He would love something created, a created thing, that He would create us in His image, meaning to live forever. This is a great mystery. Even St. Paul says, this is a great mystery. Even at, at, at the crowning ceremonies, when you read Ephesians chapter 5, when speaking and comparing, comparing the, the love of husband to wife, to the love of God and Christ and the church, says this is a great mystery. It's a great mystery. Love is a very powerful thing. A great mystery. So, these things happen gradually, but if we are faithful and ask God to give us to understand, just like Solomon said, give me a wise and understanding heart, he will give it to us. Why wouldn't he? We're not called to live in the dark. How could we be called to live in the dark when he says, you are the light of the world? 
Surely if you're called to be the light of the world, then you're called to live and be enlightened by the light of Christ. So this is a gift given from above, and it's given to every single one of us. All you have to say is say, Amen. Lord, give me. Just like the Samaritan, what did the Samaritan woman do? When the Lord gradually took her from give me some water to drink to the fountains of living water, she said, give me this water. Give it to me. I thirst. Give me this water. And he gave it to her in abundance. He says, ask him. Ask and you shall receive. So it's a call to live faithfully in the midst of an unfaithful world. You as Christians, as sons and daughters of Christ, as citizens of heaven, not just citizens of earth, citizens of heaven, and of what is to come, and what has been prepared for you from before the foundation of the world, you're called to live faithfully in an unfaithful world. See, well, it's very hard to do that. I agree with you. I'm not taking that away. I totally agree with you. It is hard, but it's feasible. Hard, but possible. Because you have been given the Holy Spirit of God. That's why St. Paul says, hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured into our hearts. How has His love been poured into our hearts? By the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. So you're able to do so. So St. Paul spoke of that as well. When you read in his last letter before his death, his martyrdom in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he says, but know this. He says, know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And of such people, turn away. He says about these people that they're always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Constantly learning. Look how much knowledge is out there, right? I mean, by, at the click of a couple of things on a keyboard, there's so much knowledge, so much knowledge, so, mu so many things that we can understand and, and grasp simply from looking at this world, just Googling. People say, Google has become a verb. I Googled it. People Google things and they found out. Daniel also spoke of this. He said, knowledge will go back and forth throughout the world. There will be so much knowledge, so much information. There's even studies, right? You can get a degree in information technology. There's so much info out there. But it seems like with the increase of info, there has been a decrease of faith. Because by the increase of info, I have begun to believe or think or claim brazenly that I can be God. That I am my own God that I don't need a God. And that's what St. Paul is speaking of here. Always learning, never coming to the knowledge of the truth. What is the knowledge of the truth? This is the knowledge that the Lord Jesus wants us to have. He says, like St. Paul says, he desires that all be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. What is this knowledge? It's not a puffing up knowledge. It's not a knowledge by which I claim to know better than you or you know better than him or them or her. But it's the knowledge that I have been created by a loving God, the Almighty God, who loved me and gave Himself for me, that in order by His death I may live and not die. This is the truth. 
That's why when the Lord Jesus prays, also in John 17, He says, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is the truth. This is the knowledge of the truth. So when the Lord speaks of destruction and gives these examples in history, He also gives us some reminders of when this does particular series or history of destruction occur. Think he, in Matthew, we're going to see it more clearly. In yesterday's gospel, in Vespers and Luke, it was also mentioned. During the, it says, in the days of Noah, people ate and drank, were married, given in marriage, went about doing their business, and then suddenly the flood came upon them. Then later, and then a couple of verses later it says, that in the days of Lot, as in the days of Lot, people went and lived and were given in marriage, marrying, working, going back and forth, suddenly fire and brimstone fell on Sodom and Gomorrah. What is the common theme? Let the reader understand. What happened at the time of Noah, in the days of Noah, and what happened in the days of Lot? There was immorality of all sorts, rampant all over the world at the time. This is the destruction that came, that ensued because of that lifestyle. The lifestyle that I choose to neglect that I am a temple of the Holy Spirit, created in the image of God, not to be defiled, but to be honored and used for good works, used for the glory of God, not for me, but for His glory. As Mother Teresa once said, I'm just a small pencil, small instrument in God's hand. So this rampant immorality at the time of Noah, the time of Lot, we see it in the world progressively from one generation to the next, is a reminder of the things to come. Now again, it happened gradually. Like, it didn't take Noah a week or two to build the ark. When, how long did it take Noah to build the ark? Over a century. Long time, a man in the middle of nowhere, with no body of water in sight, building this huge boat, being mocked and rejected and scorned and laughed at for, cent for, for years, for decades. And people are going about, going about, back and forth, oh, there's that... Guy Noah again building his ark back and forth, back and forth for years as it happens today, as it continues to happen today. And that's why St. Paul says the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. That's why there's a beautiful passage, a beautiful verse in the Song of Solomon in chapter 2 that speaks of this gradual deterioration or corruption that enters into the world. And before I continue with that, I remind you, what does the Lord say about this gradual deterioration? How do we hold it back? You need a preservative. You need a conservative agent. Something that can preserve from corruption. That's why He calls you the salt of the earth. The light of the world. Salt preserves and protects from decomposition protects from corruption, protects from deterioration. So we are called to be this salt. So St. Paul was telling us earlier today in his letter about this, these, keep the traditions that you have received. Keep what I have taught you. Keep what I have told you. This is the, one of the few times St. Paul says in, in one of his letters, imitate me as I imitate Christ. The imitation is the imitation of Christ, not the imitation of people not the imitation of individuals. 
not the imitation of mentors. All these are great things to have, mentors, role models, and so on. But there is no greater mentor or role model than the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. This is the emblem of our faith, the emblem of what we believe in. So this gradual deterioration comes when we are not vigilant, when we ignore the signs of the times, when we say it's okay, when we can be like everything. We're not called to be like the world. The Lord Jesus says, I do not pray that you take them out of the world, that you keep them from evil. Keep them. We're kept. We're not kept so that we can watch evil and imitate it. He says, in wisdom be mature. In malice be babes. Be babes in malice. So we're kept to be wise in Christ. Wise as serpents, harmless as, as doves. There's always that constant reminder. You're not called to be an ignorant person foolishly going about the world. Solomon says the wise see evil and turn the other way. The simple pass on and are punished. We're not called to just walk on foolishly. We're not fools. We could be fools in Christ because people the world may think we are foolish for believing in Him and loving Him and being faithful to Him to death. That's fine. Let them call us fools all they want. That's fine. But you are not a fool, you yourself. You have been created in the image of your Creator. So what is this deterioration? Solomon says in chapter 2, he says, Catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. So what is that? These little foxes. says that the Bible often uses this analogy or this picture to help us understand like this anthropomorphic way of looking at things. Like foxes uh, appear to be innocent, right? A fox looks innocent, looks cute even, but it's actually very crafty. A very clever animal. And that's how the devil likes to portray the world to us innocently. That's oh, okay. It's okay. It's not okay. If I, if I ignore the signs, then those little foxes enter into my, the vineyard of my soul and gradually corrupt it. Leading me to be just like everyone else. You are not called to be just like everyone else. There's nothing wrong with you being you in Christ. The world has tried to erase this identity of yours, of ours as a Christian, gradually erasing, trying to erase, till we don't remember who we are and who we belong to. But we're always reminded, remember who you are and remember who God is. This is what we're called to remember at all times. St. Paul tells us in Romans 12, do not be conformed to the world. Do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This does not mean to be a rebel in society. We are, the church prays for us in audible prayers. Part of them during the absolution is that we be fruitful or constructive citizens in society. We're called to be good citizens. But our ancestors and those who died in the faith, even at the time of Daniel, and even Daniel himself, Daniel was greatly loved by the king at the time. But he was envied by those who didn't worship the God of Daniel. And when they accused him to, his, to the king, that he doesn't worship the king and his statue, what did Daniel do? He didn't go and destroy the statue. He went home and opened his windows so everyone can see and worshipped as he did for years since his childhood. He didn't pray and worship that way. So, every, oh, look, the man is praying. What a good person. No, he did it so they can see, I will pray to my God because he is the only God. 
Whether you kill me or whether you throw me to lions, that's another story. So this gradual deterioration is inevitable if we choose to walk the way of the world. Like they say, a dead fish goes with the current. It's those living fish that swim upstream, like those salmon that swim upstream. They go against the tide. They don't, they don't, they don't, they don't harm the other fish and they don't pollute the water, but they keep going ahead towards their goal. Our goal, upward goal, our upward call in God is Christ Jesus our Lord. So, I give you just another quick example. There's a beautiful passage, and you know, in the, the Holy Week of Pascha, we, we read different homilies from different church fathers. And on the Monday morning, the first day, the first morning of Pascha, the 11th hour, we read the homily of St. Shenouda, the Archmandrite, in the 11th hour. And he says something beautiful. I'll just read one small part of it because of time. He says, you see, so St. Shenouda in the 4th century says the following. He says, you see, no one can fill your place with dirt unless they notice your lack of interest in it. You understand what that means, right? You see, no one can fill your place with dirt unless they notice your lack of interest in it. For example, there's a beautiful example. This building right here, the church bought it in 2013. Ten years ago, can you imagine? June of 2013, the church signed at the notary and acquired this building for the church's needs one day. When the church bought this building, how, do you, some of you may remember, those of you who were, who were here back then, how did this building look? This building was basically, you know how it has two tones, right? You have the brown brick on top, and it's like white brick at the bottom. Why is that? Because the church decided to get paint and painted the whole bottom all across in white. Why? So we can have a decorative design? Not at all. Because it was graffitied from every single brick had cursing and foul language and graffiti and all kinds of tags all across. There was not br one brick that looked like it looked the way it was when it was first built. So when St. Shenouda says, you see, no one can fill your place with dirt unless they notice your lack of interest in it. This is exactly what happens to decrepit buildings over the years. What happens? This building was once upon a time a thriving elementary school. A beautiful elementary school, beautiful children coming in and out, going to school. School buses, parents picking them up, dropping them off. G a gymnasium right by the water. That, part, that building over there, that's the gym, by the way. If you walk in right now, it looks like a scene out of some sort of horror movie. It had, it had real hardwood gym floors, those beautiful, you know, old school OG basketball courts. That's what it had. If you walk in now, it doesn't look like that anymore. It's, the wood is actually gray and all broken, as you can imagine, from the water and the mold and the mildew and all kinds of stuff. Completely shattered and destroyed. It wasn't like that. This happened gradually. After it became a school, after a while, they said, you know what, we don't need the school anymore for whatever reasons. It turned into a school board building. It was an administrative building for the back then Baldwin-Cartier school board. And what happened after that? It remained like that for years. After a while, Baldwin-Cartier doesn't need to be Baldwin-Cartier anymore. The religious school boards became linguistic school boards in 1998. And gradually, this building went out of use. So the school board sold it. Who did they sell it to? A very well-to-do developer in the city. And... He basically just locked the door and left it, tried to get 
permissions and project approvals from the city and so on to build an eight-story condo. So in the, in the midst of all that, waiting for that to happen, he just left it to be completely abandoned. And for years it was completely abandoned. For years and years and years. What happened? Graffiti, shattering the glass, people climbing in. Inside, if you, if you, say, if you think it looks bad on the ins outside, you cannot imagine what it looks like on the inside. Some people have seen the inside. It's not to be looked at, it's not to be entered, it's even harmful for your breathing. You need to wear masks inside because of the mold and the mildew. But it wasn't like that. My point is, a gradual deterioration. Little foxes, gradually. That can happen to every single one of us. Every single soul. So when the Lord speaks about the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel, standing where it ought not, that slain pig is not to stand in the altar. That statue of a Roman emperor or idol is not to stand inside the altar. How, that, how could such things happen? Gradually, degrade, gradual degradation and corruption. You and I are called to prevent that from happening. So, well, it's going to happen, right? It says so. Yes, things will happen. But you, being a son and daughter of God, of Christ our Lord, are kept. So don't let that happen. You yourself continue to choose to be that salt and that light, and it will not happen to you. And as St. Paul says to St. Timothy in his first letter, he says, take heed to yourself. He says, start with yourself. He says, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine, the faith of the church. Take heed. Not everything you hear out there is the same as what that sound doctrine is all about. It may seem like sound doctrine on the outside, but there's the tip of the iceberg and there's a lot more under the water. For those of us who choose to rely on TikTok and Google and social media for their theological training, I recommend immediate ceasing of such studies. I cannot guarantee what's there, but I can guarantee what's in the Bible. And I can guarantee what the early church fathers taught us pre-451 AD. I can guarantee that. Anything after that is not my guarantee. I'm not able to guarantee it. So TikTok theologists and Facebook theologists and other types of theologians, beware. The Lord said at the beginning of today's gospel, take heed that no one deceives you. We can be very, very easily deceived on social media and such things. I'll leave you with what St. Paul would have said to us right now in Ephesians 6. Finally, my brethren. He says, finally, my brethren. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So if you're wasting your time arguing with other human beings your wife, your husband, your children, your parents, your grandparents, your colleagues, people at work, people you serve with in church, you are wasting very valuable time and you're being deceived. St. Paul reminds you that you're not wrestling against humans, against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. You've been given armor that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, you are called to stand. Say, Lord, grant us to stand on that day. Make us worthy to stand on the day. Origen, the scholar, says, to be strong, the Lord is to be strengthened in word and wisdom. To be strengthened in word and wisdom.
take the Bible and dive deep into it. We have brothers in the church, other Christian parts of this world, that take the Bible and almost eat it alive. They drink it. It's not about memorizing and dictating verses to people. It's not that. But it's to be able to be, according to the mind of Christ, able to answer and speak according to the gospel. As our Lord taught us when speaking to the devil on, in, on Mount of Temptation. So again, he says, to be strong in the Lord, strengthened in word and wisdom, and the contemplation of truth. Words, wisdom, the contemplation of truth. The knowledge of the truth. You see how important this is. He says all these qualities are encompassed in the titles applying to Christ. It's all in Jesus our Lord. The word of God, the wisdom of God, the logos of God the Father, the way, the truth, and the life. This is where you become strong and remain strong. That the world cannot sway you like a leaf tossed in the wind because you are anchored you are solid in the word of God and in his truth. This is for you, me and for you. And it's not just a Sunday morning talk. It's a daily talk. You yourself are able to do this without me. And without anyone standing in front of you preaching it to you. You don't need that. This is our fellowship. We do this to renew and re-energize and strengthen our bond in Christ and our fellowship as we receive his body and blood. But every single day you can do this without anyone telling you how or what. You begin and then the Lord will guide you. And then the church will continue to be by your side. And the early church fathers and their commentaries are there by your side to coach and guide us. May God grant us the desire to truly grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and His truth and His wisdom and His word. That we may not be deceived but actually help others. As St. Paul said, take heed to yourself to the doctrine that in, by doing so, you may save both yourself and those who hear you. Yourself and those who hear you. As the Lord said, let, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.